You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. This is the play. Okay, the quarterback. Two receivers lined up to the left, one to the right. There's a flanker lined up to the left behind the quarterback. Oh, okay. now, he gives the ball. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get the ball. The receiver goes all the way over there to the left. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, and welcome to the first ever episode of Chalk Talk, which are just short little sit-downs with guests of the show, and this week we have a very special guest. She is the host of Locked On Giants, a writer for Giants Country and Inside Football, and the author of this book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants, Patricia Trena. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm glad to be with you. Of course. Yo, Patty, Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, Patty, I was looking up how long I've been a subscriber to Inside Football. It's been 14 years now. So wow. it's something that, uh, you know, I don't know how many people know about because you usually pump uh, Gator uh, Giants Country uh, on your pod. But uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I read it every week. And I share it with Grump all the time. So it's it's great piece of work. And uh, I recommend it to everybody. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, do you want right. to jump right into it, Cranky? Yeah, let's let's do it. Um so we uh, we appreciate you being on. Just want to talk about the state of the Giants, you know, from your perspective and kind of where we're thinking also and, and see how it goes. So um, a little background. Um, you and I are closer in age than Grump is. Grump's, he's a little pup, but uh, we both go back a little bit with the Giants. Um, I go back to Ray Perkins and when Sims was drafted. So um, I've been around a while, but I wanted to know, in your opinion, how does all this dif- dysfunction match to when we got George Young as the GM and back in the late 70s? How bad is this compared to then? Yeah, you know, I I was a little girl during the, the height of the wilderness years, so I don't remember a whole lot of it. I just, my earliest memory was uh, the fumble, believe it or not, because I remember okay. my dad coming home and being absolutely furious at what had happened. And how I knew he was furious is my dad always used to let me write his letters for him because, you know, I was a writer of the family. And this one, he said, I'm writing the letter. And I was like, why? And I found out years later, it was because it was filled with a lot of dirty words that I shouldn't have known as a kid. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I remember that. And obviously for the book, I researched, um, you know, the wilderness years, um, Probably I would say those are those were worse. And the reason why I will say that is because when you throw in the, the fact that ownership was fighting with one another, you throw in the fact that they got bounced around from stadium to stadium, they had a lot more going on than just bad football. So I know today's Giant fans who didn't live through that don't want to hear that. They, they're probably going to say, no, this decade or this last decade has been worse. But I think from a big picture perspective, I'm going to say, you know, the time before George Young came along was a little bit more worse because, um, like I said, because of the ownership fighting with one another, um, you know, the lack of a stadium and and just the whole disintegration of the football operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, as a member of the media um, and your interactions with the team over the last couple of years, what have you observed to be the biggest dysfunctions with really with this team? Is it kind of from ownership to front office, front office to coaching, coaching to players? Like what have you seen in the last couple of years that's really been the biggest issues with this team? I'm going to start with coaching. I think sometimes the coaching, it's interesting because I kind of, I'm, I'm writing something about this for Giants Country. I think sometimes they overpromise and underdeliver. 
you know, and I was thinking back to Joe Judge when he was introduced and we're going to field this kind of team and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And he didn't do any of it. And, you know, not all of it was his fault. And then I thought about Brian Dable's introductory presser. And he said, look, I'm not making any promises other than we're going to work hard, period. So sometimes it's better to under-promise and over-deliver as opposed to the to the the other aspect of it. And then, you know, when you have things, you know, when you have the wheels falling off of the, the cart, so to speak, that's when people have different opinions on how to resolve stuff. And sometimes those opinions don't align and it can lead to strife. So I just think it was a combination of a, of a lot of stuff, um, starting with, with, again, over-promising maybe and under-delivering. And, and then, you know, once things started to go south, just not being on the same page with everybody. Mm-hmm. So there were a but, lot but, of different failures. Do you, do you think that Joe Judge was scapegoated at all for any larger failures? This, the timing of his firing was kind of odd, and it seemed a little up in the air as to whether or not he was going to be fired or returning. Um, did, do you, did you feel that at all? No, I don't think he was scapegoated. I mean, um, look, he had a hand in this. Um, the rant did not help him. Um, just there, there were just things, you know, that 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 sequence when he called the 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 the, um, the kneel down or you mm, know the sneaks that that didn't help. Yeah, the, yeah. the sneaks <laughs> that didn't help either. Um, and and there were some other things that you know just got screwed. Like for example. Why fire Jason Garrett after the bye week? If you were going to make a move, why not do it before that? There were just a lot of things, you know, and I always tell people, I said, you know, when Joe Judge was here for the first year, there was maybe one thing I disagreed with him on. And I made that very clear of what that one thing was, and that was playing Daniel Jones so quickly after the injury. Mm-hmm. Last year, I found myself disagreeing with Joe, Joe Judge on a lot more things. And when I usually start disagreeing with what a coach is doing, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back here or anything like that, but it's usually not a good thing because it's like, okay, what are you doing, man? You know, so. <laughs> um, so we've in the past worked pretty closely with Bobby Skinner and Justin Pinnock as well as uh, the D- Diana Tana. But you are the first ever guest to come on to Just Giants at Studio Grump 3.0. But that's because <laughs> I just moved in this week. Um, but when I was moving in, I made a joke on Twitter that essentially was something like, it was like a, a tip for moving, and it was to just throw everything out and buy new stuff when you move in. Um, and someone interpreted that as a Giants tweet, which is hilarious. But then it actually got me thinking, like, do you think um, that it was for the best that Patrick Graham ultimately left the team, completing a clean sweep of the highest position of the staff? Or do you feel that his departure actually sets the rebuild back a little bit? Mm, you know what? At first, I think I was disappointed that he left because I figured, okay, look, they're going to be in year three of the same system. One less thing for the team to have to worry about. They have a lot of the players that they need. And if they brought in somebody else, you know, who – and at the time, I didn't know if it was going to be Martindale or if was it going to be Desai or, you know, Wilkes or whoever. And, I, and all three of those guys have different styles and different philosophies. So I thought, okay, what are they going to do, you know? Um, when Graham left – and they brought in Martindale. Now, I think Martindale plays a system similar, not identical, but similar to what Graham does. Um, so it, the concern was I didn't want to see them have to start everything over from scratch. I mean, there are some salvageable pieces on this football team. And to throw everything out, to throw the baby out with the bathwater, I, I, just not the way to go, in my opinion. And, you know, I like the hire of Don Martindale. 
Um, you know, at, at times he can be overly aggressive with his defensive schemes and they can get burnt by that. But you know what? There were times last year that I thought Patrick Graham wasn't aggressive enough. And, you know, now that we know who the, who the defensive coordinator is going to be, we can pretty much guess now where the priorities are going to lie as far as what players they are going to bring in and what they're going to be looking for on that side of the ball. Yeah, one of the things we always talk about on, on this show is that they're not hiring a coaching staff for this current roster right now. You know, the roster is going to be built over the next couple of years in the vision of what the general manager, the head coach, and the coordinators are. So even if it's not the perfect fit at this moment, the expectation is we are going to up the roster, up the, the talent level and everything to be better fit. So we're willing to, you know, we, we, we want patience from the giant fans and we're going to try to have as much patience ourselves. Um, Patty, one of the uh, things I've been talking about is when we got the new general manager was I had a six point plan for how do you rebuild this team? You know, I wanted a, I wanted a head coach, a, a young guy, a offensive minded who, you know, believed in analytics and the modern NFL and scoring a lot of points. You know, I wanted an honest evaluation of everybody in this organization. And one of the big ones I had was establishing a realistic timeline for this team. Not, you know, we're going to try to be a playoff team this year, but building, looking, evaluating this team and saying, what is realistic for this team to be a playoff team? And what's a realistic timeline to be a championship team? I think if you're not honest with yourself, you're just wasting time. Like I think we've done that for the last several years. So I guess based on this current roster, you know, our salary cap, the draft picks we have coming, what do you see as a reasonable timeline for this team? Do you think this team is two years away from being a playoff team or you think it's a heavier build, you know, based on the cap issues and, you know, the indecision about quarterback? Like, what do you think? I think at least two years. Um, the cap situation, they can fix this year. It's going to take some sacrifice, but they can get that fixed and get themselves healthy by 2023. Um if Daniel Jones pans out, I think they can be a playoff team as soon as 2023. If he does not pan out, now you're probably looking at another couple of years. Mm -hmm. So unless they, you know, unless they get a stopgap solution. So that's kind of hard to answer because Daniel Jones to me is the X factor. How is he going to develop? Is he going to be the guy, is he going to deal with injuries again like he did, you know, like he's done the last, what, three years of, of his career? That's the concern I have. So, um, look, I like to be optimistic. I think Daniel Jones has the tool set to be successful. I think now he's finally going to get a, um, an offense that is going to cater to what he does well, that is going to cater to what his skill position players do well. And uh, it's just a matter of, of him stepping up. And, of course, that offensive line, that has to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And we saw when they tried to fix it the first time, um, didn't work. They tried to fix it a second time, didn't work. They talked about, oh, we have all this youth and we're going to be fine. Okay, great. We still don't know what they have with that youth because that youth got injured. So And they didn't have backups. So guess what? Didn't work. So you've got to... Those are the X factors for me in terms of, you know, what kind of timeline we're looking at. It's a good segue into my next question was going to be about Daniel Jones. Um, you know, we've had a pretty small sample size of everything working perfectly for Daniel Jones, having as good of an offensive line as we could have had in the last three years and having healthy receivers and a healthy Saquon Barkley 
and having him healthy, to be very honest. So in that relatively small sample size of what you've seen, do you think he can be, and I'm not saying a franchise quarterback to be a pro bowl or an all pro, but someone who can lead this team for the next several years and take them into the playoffs, or is it still to be determined on what we've seen or, cause I, I get the sense, you know, from listening to your shows all the time and everything. And I, I'm not sure if you're in or out just yet. I know you do criticize a lot how he doesn't know how to slide and he puts himself into harm's way a lot, but I don't know. I, I, to me, it's a huge to be determined with him and uh, yeah. see what you yeah, think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, to be determined, um, you know, got to stay healthy and look, you know, I don't mind a guy trying to show he's tough, but you got to be smart, you know? And I just feel that sometimes Daniel isn't smart out there. He just feels like it's, it's almost as though he's playing like, this is the last down I'm going to have. I'm not going to have another down. It's like, Daniel, dude, live to see another down. And that's, I'm not the only one saying that. The coaches last year constantly used to pound that into his head or try to pound that into his head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Daniel, I, I think he's got the skill set uh, that he works at it. He wants to be better, but, but, you know, and, and I do think, by the way, he's a, he's a guy that they can win with, you know, um, it's interesting when we do the scouting, I, I took courses at the, the scouting Academy and mm -hmm. it's like, okay, is this a player you can win with, you can win in spite of that you, that you absolutely have to have to win. I think he's a guy you can win with, you know, um, they backup quarterback is going to be a big key for this team as well. But with Daniel, um, you know, the reason why they fell off the cliff last year is because they didn't have anybody suitable to, to yeah. step in from him. I think if they'd had Colt McCoy, maybe they might have won an extra game or two here or there. Maybe. Not saying Colt McCoy's the answer. But Daniel, to me, is someone you can win with. Um, is he going to ever be in the same you know tier as a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or, or a Josh Allen? No, probably not. But can he be as good as or, or better than, say, a Ryan Tannehill? Sure. You know, you know what that reminds that? me of? What's Phil that? Sims. I mean, you're yeah. never going to say you're never going to say Phil Sims was in the same category as John Elway or Dan Marino. Right. But he had that winning thing about him. Yeah. You know, third and 16, third and 16 against Minnesota in 80 in 1990. He, he makes the completion. So I, I definitely see the parallel between. So I, I agree with you. Um, I think a lot of Daniel Jones' success, and I completely agree with both of you, by the way, uh, in terms of who Daniel Jones is and who he could be. But I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching staff around him and the front office around him. So I'm curious what your assessment of the front office and new coaching staff and, and you know, we, we it's mostly filled out now uh, as of today. Um, I, I was just curious how satisfied you were with, with the hirings around the league or I, I'm sorry, within the organization. Sorry. I mean, to be honest with you, the jury's still out. I haven't met the coaches. I mean, I've done the research, obviously. I've written about them. Um, you know, they look like they have a good record. But, you know, then, you know, <laughs> I remember years ago when they hired Hal Hunter, they, they puffed up his bio. And we all know that didn't quite work out the way we had hoped it would. So I would feel better, I guess, talking to these guys and maybe seeing them. I mean, right now, look. The Giants are in a honeymoon stage right now with the new GM, the new head coach, the new coaching staff. Everything is all, you know, smiles and sunshine right now. Let's see what kind of program Brian Dable runs. Let's see what Joe Shane does as far as personnel moves. Because remember now, 
we're not dealing with Brandon Bean here. Joe Shane was 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 the Robin to Brandon Bean's Batman. Hmm. So now Shane is is Batman, and Brandon Brown is his Robin. So let's see what their philosophy is, because I don't I, I can't sit here and say, oh, they're going to go for this type of player or they're going to make this type of move. I can only guess based on cap numbers and stuff like that. So I, I just think, you know, it's too premature for me to sit here and say, oh, I feel really good. And I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to win at least 10 games next year. I, I got to see it because I've been burnt too many times <laughs> being too overly optimistic and, you know, show me. Show me what you got and how you're going to approach this, and then then I'll I'll tell you what I think uh, you're you're going to do. You have a very similar sensibility to Grump and I because uh, we're the same way. We try to be optimistic but realistic, and you know it's amazing how a lot of the Giant fans, you know, two months ago thought we were the worst team in the history of the league, and all of a sudden, those same people are now. This is an all-star coaching staff. I you know we're going to turn it around immediately. It's like, well, well, wait a minute, let's. Let's see what actually happens before we get too super excited. It's for solid. Anyway. It's a solid, you know, compared to what they had last time on, under Joe Judge. And I wrote about this today for Giants Country. It's a solid staff. And the reason why I say that is, number one, Joe surrounded himself with mostly people he had worked with at some point in his life prior, mm-hmm. which was a mistake because that way he only knew one way to do things. So when things collapsed and these people who all had fairly successful backgrounds, it's like, okay, now what do we do? Because the wheels are falling off the wagon. Uh, They also brought in a lot of first-time college coaches who, you know, contrary to what people think, is a little bit of a difference coaching at the NFL level as opposed to coaching uh, college kids. Whereas you look at Dable's staff, Dable brought in people that, he knows he brought in people that he knew of but didn't have a personal you know a prior relationship with he brought in people that had uh, both nfl and college experience i think just the running backs coach is the only guy who hasn't had nfl experience so a little bit different philosophy in terms of building that staff and that's why i could see people being excited about this staff because it's different in that regard Mm-hmm. Well, can I rephrase it this way? Was there any hiring based on the interviews that were um, conducted as far as we know? Were you disappointed with one hire over another at any point? Because I know like, I, you know, like when they brought in defensive coordinators, they brought in big names like Jim Schwartz. You know what I mean? Um, and I think people were a little disappointed that guys like Mike McDaniel didn't even get an interview. Um, was, there, was there anything like that for you? I mean, seeing what Mike McDaniel's been like down in Miami, am I disappointed? Yes. I mean, he's a, he's a trip. As a matter of fact, I told my, my Dolphins colleague, I said, you lucky son of a you-know-what. I said, you get, you get to deal with that every day. But you know what? Dable has a good sense of humor, too. But from a football perspective, no. I, I can't sit here and say, you know, oh, I wanted this guy and we didn't get him. Or, you know, I figured it was going to be Dable because of the offense, um, I thought if it wasn't going to be him, it, it might have been Flores. I mean, those would, would have been my two choices. Um, Flores, because, you know, he has experience and, and he is, you know, he, you, you look at what he, he did down in Miami. I mean, you, you know, you can't sneeze at that. that that's quite an accomplishment given sure. that he didn't have, you know, a, an all-star cast around him. Um, but Dable, I figured, okay, look, the Giants... If it wasn't clear then, it's got to be clear now. The Giants are trying to do everything possible to make sure they have their franchise quarterback. I don't think they want to have to start over in that regard. So that's kind of the impression I came away with. Um, 
you know, but uh, do they have everybody that they need? Am I going to sit here, you know, a year from now and say, oh, they should have hired this person or they should have done this? Maybe. I mean, we'll have to see how it goes. Everybody wins the off season, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so with the new staff, you, you kind of mentioned this a little bit with uh, Brian Dable is kind of a joker up there. I and mean, he was clowning around with Giants Insider and Matt Lombardo as well. Um, with this new staff, as it's filled out as far as we know, who are you most looking forward to talking with? All of them, really. I mean, I don't think I'll get to talk to all of them when they make them all available, but I like to I like to get a little feel for, you know, how they communicate. Are they extroverted? Are they serious? Are they stiff? Are they, you know, relaxed? That's important, I think, because that's going to tell me how they might be with the players. Now, obviously, there are some guys who are one way with the media and a, and a different way with um, with the players. But I have found in my experience that, that what you see behind, you know, in public versus what you see behind closed doors there's really not that huge of a gap between the two because you can only be, you know, unless somebody's like an an, an award-winning actor, they can they they eventually their true self is going to show. And Joe Judge, you know, to use him as an example, he was one way with the media, and then when he was off the record, he was another way. And having seen both sides of him, I said, okay, so. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, I have a saying, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. And it's the same thing with people. It's like they act one way in public and another way behind closed doors. But if you want to really get a sense of who they are, you know, you got to kind of merge the two together and say, okay, he reacted this way in this scenario. It's a whole psychological thing. I know I'm talking psychologically mumbo jumbo, but believe it or not, (laughs) those of you who are out there and want to be aspiring journalists, taking a psychology course does help because it helps you read the room and read people a little bit better so that you can adjust when you interview them. So to follow up with that, the rant, the Joe Judge rant, was that the real Joe Judge or was that the media Joe Judge or the behind the scenes That was the real one. That was the real one. That that was a guy guy who I think showed some vulnerability. I think he was losing control of the situation and it was an attempt to maybe make a plea. I don't want to say he was trying to absolve himself from, from what was going on, but he was trying to kind of dig in and say, look, I still have control of this situation. This is what I believe. This is what's going on. You know, I'm just, it, it was a rare look inside the curtain, so to speak. But um, I do believe that was the real Joe Judge. I mean, we even heard a few curse words slip out. Yeah. So that was definitely part of the real Joe Judge. <laughs> um, the flip side of the original question there is, uh, so now that we've pretty much wiped the whole staff front office, um, who are you most sad to see go? Uh, player, coach, front office member, in terms of your interactions with them you know, personally? I'm going to catch heck for this, I know. But from a personal standpoint, I like Dave Gettleman. I mean, Dave, like me, is a cancer survivor. Mm. And a lot of times when I would see Dave, it would be like, how are you doing, kid? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing? How's your scan? And we would trade battle stories. Mm. There's not a whole lot of people. You see, understand my perspective here. I'm really the only woman in in the room, the media workroom, on a regular basis. You know, Kim Jones used to come in, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think she's moving on from the NFL network. Yes, she is. Um, yeah. There were a couple, I think there were a couple of other women that would come in once a week. But I was someone who was there regularly. So 
that doesn't really leave me with much to talk about with, with the other guys. I mean, we can talk mm-hmm. football, but, you know, it's not like I can talk about, you know, a TV show or a band or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Whereas these guys have other things in common. They have kids and whatnot. So with Dave, you know, the, our common link was our cancer treatments. And, you know, how do you, you know, I'd say to him, how are you feeling? You know, what are you doing to get over the chemo? Are you have, I, oh, why don't you try this type of treatment? This this helped me get over my chemo really quick. So we, we would trade those battle stories. And it was a humanized level. Say what you want about him um, from a football perspective. And did he make mistakes? Absolutely. Did he do a bad job at the end there? Absolutely. I'm not disputing that. But from a human perspective, from a personal perspective, I, I like talking to the guy. I, you know, I, I always did. Um, he was always very good to me, always, you know, made me laugh. And I'm going to miss that. I am not going to miss, obviously, the, the bad mistakes and stuff from football. But from a personal perspective, you know, if I'm being honest with you, that's what I'm going to miss. No, I'm going to miss his press conferences for sure. I mean... <laughs> I know Brian Dable will, will pick up the slack a little bit, but a little bit, yeah. But but Dave had that that wit that I I yes. really did like that. Yes, he did have the wit, and you know sometimes though I think he he didn't know the difference between a throwaway line and something that might get picked up. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately for him, he had two strikes against him when he got the job. Well, really three strikes almost. One, he's from the old regime of the Giants, mm-hmm. and people wanted a fresh change. They didn't like the way it ended in Carolina, you know, all the, the free agents who are leaving and bad-mouthing him. And, you know, optics count. He has that sure. Boston accent. And, you know, there's a lot of giant fans who just don't like Boston, and they hear it coming out of his mouth, and they're like, oh, another chowd. I don't want to hear this guy. <laughs> so it, it happens. So, um, you know, all these guys, when they get to the position they are, they don't – you have to have some level of personality and some level of connective you know, from one human being to another, you're not going to get to the levels of success that they do to become a, a general manager or a head coach or anything. So I could definitely see that, you know, the media, just what you see in a soundbite is not a full representation of what somebody really is. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Uh, Want to talk about a, the big question you had on your podcast this week. You teased it on a previous show and you, you talked about it today. And I got to be very honest. Once you talked about it, I turned off your show because I didn't want to hear what your answer was. But uh, let's talk about it now, real quick. Um, what do we do about Saquon Barkley? Do we trade him or not? Um, Grump and I both have our thoughts about it. Um, let's. You're the. You're our guest. What would you do with Saquon Barkley? You know, the second week of February in 2022. Got to listen to my show. I mean, you want me to give it away? <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. You know, I was going to do a whole show devoted to that question, to be honest with you, and it just didn't work out that way. And uh, because I, I, at the last minute, I got a couple of Radio Row interviews that were sent to me that I had to include. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I understand why the Giants drafted Saquon Barkley when they did. I don't agree with taking him number two overall, but I understand why they drafted him. I thought the reason was short-sighted. And it was a it was um, it underscored a bigger problem and a more disturbing problem, and that is that Dave Gettleman and the front office overvalued or overevaluated, I should say, the talent they had. They thought that they could make a run with Eli Stell, and they just figured, okay, we'll get him a running back, 
boom, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in the playoffs. Never mind the fact that the offensive line was, wasn't very good, you know. Um, so I understand why they did it. That said, that said, so now you've got this good, this great talent, and you know Saquon's a fantastic talent. Let's let's be honest here. He's had some injuries, lower body injuries. He's got some wear on his tires. And somebody, you know, on my on my channel, the Lachlan Giants podcast channel on YouTube, said to me, Pat, what are you talking about? The guy's only twenty five years old. Why would you want to trade him? He, does, he runs like he's a little older. You know, there's a young 25 and then there's an old 25. And I think Barkley, given all he's gone through, looks more like an older 25 than he does a young 25. Age is just a number, by the way. You know, I mean. Why <laughs> not? Yeah. Devonta Booker, I thought, you know, he's, he's, he's pushing 30 or maybe he's 30 now. I thought at times he had a lot more, you know, spring in his legs, if you will. Um, so my feeling... Um, is look, the the problem the Giants have had is that they've never really come out and acknowledged what they were as far as are they rebuilding? Are they good to go? Are they on their way? Are they a winner? What are they? We all have opinions as to what they are. And I think we can all agree that they are rebuilding. Now, is it a total rebuild? No, they have some, some core guys that they can build around. It's kind of like, okay, use the house, we'll use the house as an example. The house is probably livable in, but, but that said, um, there's some work to be done on the house before you can move into and start using other rooms. So to me with Barkley, he's, a guy who's great to have, but I, I just kind of see him as a luxury right now because I wrote an article about this, I think, on Giants Country. Um, it was uh, How Can Joe Shane Get More At-Bats was the article. I, I don't remember mm -hmm. the exact title, but it had to do with at-bats. And I said, when Barkley wasn't in the lineup, it's not like the running game suffered that much. I mean, the statistics were pretty similar, if not better in some cases. So to me, I said to myself, gee, is Barkley a luxury that they really can't afford to carry further? And is that someone who can maybe fetch a couple of second, you know, uh, second day or third day picks, um, you know, for them to get more at bats for, for Joe Shane. And that's kind of the side I'm landing on. And I know some people are like, no way you're crazy. And some people are like, absolutely. That's the way to go. And then I have some people say, well, if you're not going to get a second round, at least a second round pick for him, which by the way, I'd be shocked if they, they pull that off given yeah. the injury situation. I mean, but at this point, if you want extra picks, if you want to be able to move up and down the draft board to me, you know, obviously for Barkley, you don't want to take a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder. You want to try and get it like a fourth or, a, you know, a third or a fourth, somewhere in that range. But I would do that if, if, if the opportunity were there. Plus, you save $7.127 off your cap. Yeah, that's it to me. It's, you know, Saquon Barkley is your present, and we are trying to build a team for the future. Mm -hmm. And I just can't see it. No, he's 20. How old is he now? 25? He's 25. And then one other thing I, I, I didn't mention, after this year, you know, assuming he plays this whole year, you're going to have to probably decide between him and Daniel. Mm -hmm. you, I don't think you can sign both because then you've got Andrew's contract coming up. 
um, then after that, you, you, you got to look down the, the, the line here. And a, and a mistake a lot of people make is they only look at the current year. If you're looking at the cap and you're looking at roster building, you got to look two or three years down the line and say, okay, can we fit this guy in? And I just don't know that you can justify giving Saquon Barkley a huge contract that makes him the highest paid running back in the NFL. How'd that work out for Los Angeles with Todd Gurley? How's that working out down in Carolina with, with Christian McCaffrey, who's had injury issues? Um, so my feeling has been kind of similar is that right now his trade value is probably day three picks. Um, but, you know, I've, I've kind of felt that if they just kind of forge ahead with him at running back for now and really invest in the offensive line before the trade deadline, we could probably see a bump in his trade value. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the direction I'm going. I, I obviously field whatever phone calls at this point. Um, but but I have a feeling that if you truly are investing in the offensive line and building a good offense, you can get a better trade value for him closer to the deadline when, when some team is trying to make a run and they feel like they're running back away. That's kind of the plug-and-play position in the NFL right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's – it's funny. We were talking about that at, at uh, the Dable press conference. I was talking with a group of other, you know, of my colleagues. And we all agree that we would be shocked if Saquon Barkley finishes the 2022 season as a giant. We would be – you know, some of us were said we would be surprised if he starts the season as a giant. I think he could potentially start it as a giant – but maybe not necessarily finish it because, as you said, you know, you get a good offensive line. Now, all of a sudden, you boost up that trade value because last, based off of last year, you're right. You're, you're probably not going to get a day two pick, um, you know, given the, his history of late, which is not his fault. It's no. just the way things are. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So Sunday, we have a Super Bowl coming up. There's a bunch of former Giants there. Odell Beckham, Eli Apple, BJ Hill. Who's your Super Bowl pick for Sunday? Who do we expect okay. to win? Oh, you know what? I don't have a preference, if I'm being honest with you. I, I, I'm i rooting for both, all the the former Giants. You know, Odell, I'm happy to see him, you know, in the Super Bowl. Maybe not Eli Apple. Uh, <laughs> Michael Thomas, I think I would I would root for faster. Oh, BJ yeah. Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, those are two guys, you know, that I, I always had a soft spot for. Michael Thomas, I absolutely adore. He's He's just such a sweetheart. Uh, B.J. Hill was also great. Odell, um, you know, I know some people question whether I got along with Odell. I, I could tell you some adorable stories with Odell that are, that are just very heartwarming, and I remember fondly. They make me smile. You can see I'm smiling now. <laughs> um, Eli Apple, I, I can't say that I, you know, what's that? I'll say saying? it. <laughs> Is that old saying about you know if you don't have something nice to say, don't it's, say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we will take your your pleading the fifth as it is on its face then. Um, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to think that the Rams are going to take this one, but I am super impressed with what Joe Burrow has done with the bank. I mean, I, I thought they were going to lose every single round that they've been in, so I, I, I don't know if I should count against them again. Yeah, I, you know what? I always like the underdog stories, and, you know, I am absolutely thrilled that Joe Burrow came back from that devastating injury. But that said, Matthew Stafford has has dealt with quite a lot of adversity, too. You know, with with the struggling in Detroit, and then, you know, his wife's health problems. So I just want to see a good game. I, I honestly can't sit here and say I'm rooting for one team over the other because I like them both. <laughs> um 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm just glad it's not the Chiefs. And <laughs> I say that because I say that and I know I'm going to piss people off because I said I just said that. But my brother is an insufferable Chiefs fan. Oh, that's fair. Every oh. week, every week I had to listen to, oh, look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs scored. The Giants can't do that. Get out of here. Where are the Chiefs now? They're at home with the Giants, okay? So mm-hmm. shut Congrats. up. <laughs> you were this close, too, to, to rubbing it in his face in the head-to-head matchup this year. That was, that was know, a close game. I know. I know. Well, I, I saw it. And, and trust me, he, he never lets me forget it either. So <laughs> he's just an insufferable Chiefs fan. And because, But you know what? Between you and me, guys, I do like Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I, I'm just oh, yeah. amazed at what he can do. Um, you know, and and I have a soft spot for some of the the the, uh, the coaches and players on on the Chiefs, but as a whole, because my brother's such an obnoxious Chiefs fan, I just cannot <laughs> cannot root well, for they, that team. Well, they Thank do God the Florida, I don't have to. They do the Florida State chop, so to me, they're automatically out. I went to Florida, so I can't. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I've actually seen Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford play in college. Um, you know, but both times they played Florida, and you could tell. Joe Burrow, first of all, I've been watching college football for over 30 years, and that was the best offense I've ever seen in college football, that LSU offense with him and Jamar Chase, and just the accuracy he has in the smart decision-making. I knew he was going to be really, really good in the NFL, and then just to bounce back from the injury, like nothing happened. Uh, I To me, it comes down to their offensive line. I just can't see Cincinnati keeping him upright the entire game. LA's got a great, you know, pass rush defensive line. I think that's the difference. Uh, I think he'll have a couple of big plays in the game, but I, at the end, I think just that pass rush is too much. And I think I think the Rams will, will barely cover, let's say. I think they win like four or five points. Lower scoring game than people think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest. See, it's funny because I was just thinking about this today. I said, you know, Normally by now I would have done a lot more on the Super Bowl because I I do try to do stuff on the Super Bowl, but just following the Giants coaching staff and just oh, keep yeah. you know that that really did eat into a lot of my my time and it's funny because um, before I came on with you guys I was getting my mailbag on Giants Country ready for tomorrow and some of the questions I have and I feel bad about this I really do people are asking me about the draft. And normally by now I'd be pretty deep into my draft, you know. I'd, I'd I'd be able to talk about it a lot better than I am, and I, and I feel bad because it's like, I've been dealing with, you know, which coaches, the GM search, you know, this that, and, the, and I'm like I'm not where I need to be, but I'm trying. I'm trying my best to get caught up. Um, but yeah, that really did bite into a lot of my time, and and it's the same thing with the Super Bowl. You know, I had hoped to do something on Michael Thomas. I had hoped to do something. I did do something actually on on Odell with uh, Eli. I did a story. Um, uh, Morton Anderson had done a podcast with Eli, and you know they they mm. were nice enough to give me a heads up on that, so I was able to write a story, a couple stories off of that actually. But uh, I didn't do as much on the Super Bowl as I really wanted to. I didn't do as much on the Senior Bowl as I really wanted to. So. Uh, just an, a, an odd year for me, but, um, you know, the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're alone. Yeah, I was, I was at the Senior Bowl with Bobby and Justin and, and trying our hardest to really cover the Senior Bowl in depth. And meanwhile, we're getting text messages mm-hmm. from people saying about this hire, that hire, this is going on. So, I mean, we're behind where we want to be as well. So Yeah, I, 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 I think there. all giant writers are. And we're not alone, you know, Dolphins, yeah. you know, and any mm-hmm. team that had a new head coach and, and especially a new GM, I'm sure they're behind as well. And, 
you know, I just feel bad because I know people want to talk about that and I do want to, you know, address it. I think, and Mike, you can, you can probably, you know, attest to this. There was a time when I would refuse to talk about the draft until mm-hmm. April. Don't want to talk I, about it. Because, you know, my feeling was, is let's get through free agency and let's see how that sets things up. Now, I've you know, over the last few years, I've tried to do a better job at, you know, doing mock drafts and keeping track of all that stuff and learning the prospects so that I don't have to cram the last two, two weeks or so before the draft. And I think, for the most part, I've done a better job. Could I, could I do even better? Absolutely. But, you know, I, I recognize now how important that is and I've adapted. Mm-hmm. All right, Patty, you were an absolute pleasure to have on. Tell the good people where they can find you and where they can listen to you. You can find my written work at GiantsCountry.com, which is part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. You can also find, um, and I know Mike mentioned this before, Inside Football. It is a Giants-specific publication that um, I own and we also produce. And uh, information can be found there at shop.insidefootball.com if you want to find out more about that. It's giant specific. It's all X's and O's, stuff you will not find anywhere else. And then if you prefer podcasts, I have the I am the host of the Locked on Giants podcast. We're available wherever you find podcasts. And yes, I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> they actually coaxed me into doing a YouTube channel, even though I had reservations, but it's doing well. We just passed 2,000 subscribers, and I, I opened up my box, and everybody found out what was in the box. And the <laughs> next milestone is going to be 5,000. We'll see if we get to 5,000, and we'll see. Maybe I'll give away an autograph book or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll do something for, for the listeners and the viewers instead of you know having the Locked On Network do something for me. Yeah, I mean, we really appreciate it. I mean, I've been listening to the old podcast with you and Ed Valentine before you got to Locked On Giants. And like I said, Inside Football is is my read. I mean, it, after every game, there's a write-up on every single player who played. And I, you can't get that anywhere else. And it's it's really in-depth and uh, a very honest assessment of what's going on. So uh, we'll, we'll tweet out all the information, how to subscribe to it also. So we Yeah, really I'll put the link it. in the description in YouTube as well. The links yeah, to all sure you- those different places. Make sure you get it shop inside shop.insidefootball.com or we're kind of moving the insidefootball.com domain over to that. So I don't want people mm-hmm. going to insidefootball.com and saying, where the heck do I sign up or yeah. how do I get more information? And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Patricia underscore Trina, T-R-A-I-N-A. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Chalk Talk. So be sure to follow Patricia on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Patricia <laughs> on Twitter and her show <laughs> on Locked On Giants. Uh, we've got some more stuff coming out this week after the Super Bowl, so be sure to subscribe to Just Giants on YouTube as well and follow us on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for joining, Patty. This was the best. Yeah, thanks so much it. for having me, guys. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.